Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. Over at 201, shit, we're late. Hey, everybody, welcome to the live Comedy on Vinyl tribute to Robin Williams. How's everybody doing today? That's good. One more for safety so we can double it later in post. Um, That's how you do it. That's how you do it. I am Jason Klom. I am your host, as usual. Uh, Who here's heard the Comedy on Vinyl podcast before? Good, me me too, I should also applaud. Um, So today's a tribute to Robin Williams, of course. Let's just get going. Uh, So our first guest, you know her from BuzzFeed. You know her from the internet. She's a great actress. Her name is Josiah Elliott, and I hope she can hear me. Maybe not. (laughs) You know what, let's bring everybody down. Rick Overton. Josiah Elliott and Jamie Costa. Come on down, folks. Pick a seat. Pick a seat. Hi, Rick. Come on up. Sit wherever you like. Hi, Josiah. Sit wherever you like. Jamie, very good to meet you. Uh, have a seat. Wherever. All right. So, uh... Normally on this show, uh, if you have heard it, the three of you have heard the show before, thank you very much. We run clips of vinyl stuff, but uh, we're not doing anything specifically on vinyl. But I do want to very quickly, before we get into this, this is obviously a tribute to Robin Williams. Uh, let's, Jamie, first of all, you're very well known right now for doing a fantastic impression of Robin Williams. Have you guys seen his video online? Yeah. Um, it's upsettingly good. Um, did you ever listen to any of his albums as a kid, or did you just grow up on his movies? I think I listened to Live at the Met, uh-huh. um, maybe a few others, but more so his movies. Yeah, 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 so, of yeah. course, absolutely. Josiah? Um, Live at the Met. Live at the Met, me too. That's the one that I grew up. Rick, you knew the man. Good friends with the man. Yeah, we met at Catch Rising Star when he was hanging out with Elaine Boozler. They were like an item back then in the 70s. <clears throat> so he came by and Catch. And I watched him just shred the room up. And we talked afterwards. It's when he would do sort of free-form Shakespeare, and he wouldn't stay on stage. <laughs> He'd run around and improvise, go literally bouncing off the walls. It wasn't a figurative expression when he did. He'd bounce off the wall and land on someone's lap and keep talking as, you know, fellatio or someone like that. <laughs> and hold up your, hold up your candle from your table, you know, and go, uh, I, uh, we got your urine sample back, I can see what that burning sensation was all about, <laughs> stuff like that, and uh, he would, uh, he, uh, he would take classic things and twist them all up on people and stuff yeah. like that, so we talked afterwards and we determined that we had a mutual hero, Jonathan Winters, that bonded our friendship because we of both course. loved him. Yeah, absolutely, yes. Yeah. Go, if you don't, yeah. Yeah. guys. Get on YouTube and look at the stick. As Jack Parr, the Tonight Show host from like late 50s or early 60s, handing Jonathan a stick. He's sitting on panel and he just starts doing fishing and arrow hits and all these different things. And the in in most settings, what? (laughs) The host of a show just gives you a stick and trusts you? Are you out of your mind? Not with Jonathan Winters, you're not out of your mind, you're smart. Yeah, of course. And and that's that's if you got to make a hero, that's a good one. Absolutely. Um, and uh, so the 
My first question is, did you then see Robin go from guy doing this weird shit in a club to guy becoming super successful sitcom actor? Were you there as that transition happens? I was there for when he was doing Laughing. Okay, he was doing, oh, Jesus, okay. And uh, <laughs> did the re redo of Laughing, second uh -huh. round. Oh, okay, okay. And the Richard Pryor show. Mm -hmm. And uh, he uh, was before Mork and Mindy. Sure. But then shortly after Mork and Mindy, I had moved out mm -hmm. in 80 to LA. Uh -huh. And so I came up with a big gillnet dump of comedians from the mm -hmm. East out here, Splash, when all the work was here. And uh, <laughs> just as the barnacles all settled in on the hull of the boat, of course, and um, <laughs> they moved the ocean. So, I, I uh, yeah, he would he would uh, come into the improv in L.A. all the time. So we started hanging out and doing improvs together. Uh, I would do a set and he would jump up. There's no way he'd do a set and I would jump up. That's <laughs> stupid. No, I mean you know, but when I come up, it would be a blah when he showed up, and then we would do. An hour of improv after that, you know. Yeah, Josiah, what's your first memory of Robin Williams? I mean, I, I asked you, and you said, luckily, yeah, I'm a big fan of Robin. So, what's what was your what's your first memory if you have if you know what it is? I, I just off the top of my head, I think it was my mom. She would just watch Robin Williams and just uh, just be mesmerized, and she'd be like, "Come watch, come watch." And it mm -hmm. was like we had to watch him. TV movies. Uh, his stand up. Actually, oh, his stand up. Okay. Is wow, inappropriate. that's inappropriate. That's horrible. <laughs> it is, but like sometimes she'd be like, okay, now this one's a little bit like you can cover up my, you know, but it was just more like you just couldn't not watch. He was just incredible. Yeah. I just remember being like, I felt like I knew him personally because he was so relatable. Sure. Yeah. Even though insane, like on, on stage, like to watch that kind of weird manic energy and be like, I relate to that. But it was like a crazy uncle, you know? Sure, okay. That makes like, sense. Telling a story over. <laughs> <laughs> and you, Jamie, how about that? How about you, the first time you can remember seeing? Probably the genie or uh, sure. Mrs. Doubtfire or uh, Hook. Yeah. So the, the movies. So. Okay. Do you, uh, what, what first hit you about, I mean, obviously you're a huge fan, but what was the first thing that like struck you? Is it like this, this guy's important to me as a person? Yeah. I mean, I, I ran to his movies, uh, by the rest of my family didn't, you know, watch movies the way I did. Like I loved movies and, and they enjoy them, but I mean, I really, you know, just have a strong appreciation for movies and, and his, his stuff was what got me going first. Yeah. Um, on, on loving the art. Of acting, mm -hmm. um, but also just—I don't know—his it was contagious, yeah. obviously. Uh, what he could do uh, with his performance, going from comedy, making me—I mean—laugh and cry. Sure, I mean, sure, sure. I remember watching Mrs. Doubtfire. We would rewind certain parts over and over. A friend of mine, and and my dad would actually come in and be like, "Okay, what the heck? You know, like, <laughs> are you guys okay? You know, <laughs> we're, we're all right." You know? But um, but then and then it brought to those you know same tears, different tears with his dramatic material. Yeah. And just how he could tug on your heart, but being not in front of you in real life. Is sure. Just, I mean, and, it's just magical. And in a way that's unexpected, if, you, if you're first watching Live at the Met, if that's the first thing you've seen, like, again, vastly inappropriate, very funny, and definitely touching, but not in the same way as, like, watching him in even, like, a Goodwill Hunting or something where he kills me every time. Right. Um, what, Rick, as far as, uh, you know, your experience with, like, watching him, I, I, you knew, he, obviously, Juilliard trained and everything. Mm -hmm. But being so well known for being this crazy manic guy, did, was he stressed about not being able to do the dramatic stuff early on, or did he care? 
He was very busy being exactly where he was. Okay. Okay. Uh, in the moment, he, he he had a pretty secure future, sure. especially at that time. Mm-hmm. And so, where the needle was hitting the record was where he'd be playing, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he uh, he was very very frantically busy through a certain phase of his life, you know. Uh-huh. Some of that artificially induced, and uh, then the the very the very interesting phenomenon of once you've discontinued all that to clean the operation up, and everyone is expecting that same pace from you. Yeah, right. And right. how do you manufacture that pace without the stimulus behind it to do it? Mm-hmm. What's its secondary fuel source? You know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he found it, and he had to slow down a little, and he wasn't quite as <laughs> slowed down as making more points. And as an elder statesman, luckily your body picture sells statesmen at a certain point and people will adjust and hear that now. Sure. That makes sense. And yeah. and so some of the most raucous versions of the laughter he got in the first part of his career had to then go into a modified process to adjust to they don't see that guy anymore and I can only do a part of it but they will listen to me making a point that I might not have had as easy a time as why would I listen to the kid make a point. Yeah. Right. right. Do you so the first time you saw him, he was doing very strange Shakespeare. When's the first time you performed together? Uh, shortly thereafter. Yeah. Uh, uh, I said, hey, you want to come and play a little bit? And he, he was amped to play, and he wasn't sure I could, was up to it. Uh-huh. And at first, when you play with Robin, you don't try to beat Robin. <laughs> you don't tell, oh, I'm going to take Robin tonight. The best you can do is be a blue angel plane number four. <laughs> And you're in the back of the diamond, and the difference with this routine over the San Francisco Bay is that no one rehearsed it in advance, and you have to stay wingtip through the entire maneuver. Yeah. But once you've proven you can do that, that's kind of like a test to make the person working with you feel pretty good about giving you more authority later. Mm-hmm. And over the years, eventually, we could co-lead and suggest and not one just simply follow the other. Sure. That's a trust earned, though. You know? Right. So by wing-tipping it for a long time, I was able to get through it. Um, I, can you, uh, and I've never really sat and broken this down, maybe all three of us could probably say something to it, like to be that manic, but again, be that emotionally, uh, have that emotional resonance in just about every performance that he ever did. Uh, do you, can you speak to, do you know where it comes from? Or is it just, hey, I'm a great trained actor and I can just switch this shit on and off? Or is there something else to it? I think it's this... Well, it's a different kind of improv that Robin did mm-hmm. on stage than what we call improv with all these rules. It's kind of, it's ruleless, but it's not moral rudderless. Sure. There's a difference. The structure rules are when you have to work with others, but when you're on your own doing it, you just, you're letting inspiration and thoughts flow in. And I think there's an enormous amount of intuition involved. Yeah. There's a grid, and I don't think it's new age woo-woo to say that the same thing that makes an entire flock of birds all shift left at once is the same thing that makes a brilliant improv scene on stage where people start talking about things they have not researched in detail but are very authoritative in the Mm -hmm. scene. And there's a separate magical spark that happens, like it's an XM radio station that you finally twisted to the correct station for. Sure. and everyone is tuned to that same station. So they're all playing the same song together mm-hmm. with all the different musical parts. Yeah. Um, I think he used that. People that think my schooling and my memory are the things that will make me brilliant in improv 
are rowing a sailboat <laughs> into the wind. <laughs> As let go. Yeah. And trust that you'll say the right thing because it's not your conscious mind saying it. Your conscious mind is dial up. Yeah. It's this clumsy, slow, chirping noise. Mm -hmm. And your subconscious is speed of light DSL. Right. You act right, direct at the speed of light. You know, I can't remember. There's not a point in my life where I where I can imagine there not being Robin Williams in it. Um, so it, it's just one of those things where like, I, I think we probably all feel that, that same way. Uh, and I was trying to think about what my favorite performance of all time is. And I think when he passed, I did a quick tribute on the podcast where I put a clip from Good Morning Vietnam in because it's mm. easily my favorite, one of my favorite films of all time, but easily my favorite of his performances because it is that exact mix of He's got the genie in there because when he's on the radio, he's fucking just top of his game. And then there's just there's just like there's a mix of like just some pathos when he's falling in love with somebody he doesn't need to fall in love with. And then of course like just also just the it's just when he just accepts that he's got to leave, it's just really heartbreaking. Do you guys have a favorite performance in particular? Like just something that that sticks with you? Gosh, I know. Me personally, I mean it's just all over the place for for his films and and. Um Actually, this is odd. Uh, many people haven't seen this one. Jacob the Liar. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, his performance in that is just tear-jerking, but it really spells out him a lot to me. Same as Mrs. Doubtfire did. You see a lot of Robin in Mrs. Doubtfire. But in, in Jacob the Liar, where he, he kind of had to decide to lie about a radio he didn't have, mm -hmm. but he saw that it brought people joy. And, and, he, and he, so, he, you know, it's like he put the truth aside for the sake of the people almost and and really just you, to me that resonated even even when he passed seeing that you know he had a, a sad thing going on in the in the backlight you know like we didn't know about um you know that movie really even stood out more to me um so like his performance really captured that yeah me. yeah when okay so when you're actually real quickly about your video when the, the one that that hit so big was that made right before did you do it right after as a tribute oh no I, that was a carefully i did vine is where i got I, on the radar it's an application where you do little videos and um i graduated with a theater degree mm -hmm. had an uh, had an agent on the east coast but i've been doing vine for the past year and a half where i've just done impressions well one of his was obviously one of the big hitters mm -hmm. Well, when he passed, I just I told everybody because everybody came crawling on my Vine channel who who knew of uh, me doing him, and I said, no, 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 no. you know, <laughs> I'm holding off, you know, sure. for a while, you know, it's not right to just try to bank on no, it of and course. stuff like that. So I held off, um, but when I decided to come back and do Vines, I started um, doing them very purposefully. Mm -hmm. In each six and a half seconds, um, Vine I would put out would capture one of his films that inspired me or shows um, and then I knew that over time I would do a new one you know and, and then I would pe piece them together and then I waited for a while just looked at it for a while you know like mm. when do I put this out sure and, and it, it it weighs on me because I'm like you know I love him this is my expression but a lot you know it could be taken the wrong way of so course. I, I wait you know I waited I think six months and mm -hmm. so then I finally just released it mm -hmm. didn't try to push it or whatever and it caught wind and and that's what happened with that so yeah it was intentional for sure, sure after yeah. post-death mm -hmm. Josie when's the what's your favorite do you have a favorite a couple I I'm just gonna go with Mrs. Doubtfire because mm -hmm. I just he was just so masterful in that and I <laughs> when he 
Pierce Brosnan's uh, character that, you know, when he's at the pool with Robin's, you know, family and Robin's, like, having to watch and, you know, he's just, Pierce Brosnan's character is, like, perfect and, like, you know, his teeth and he's got the dimple chin and he just does all the flips on the diving board. You just hate him. And, and Robin Williams' character just took an orange and he's, like, you know, as the grandma. So he just missed out for just chucks that orange and, like, hits him on the head and then he's, like, me, like, he looks around and Robin Williams is, like, yeah, like, you just, girl, just gets him and it's, like, you cheer for him. Yeah. I just loved that moment. I was, like, that is <laughs> How about you, Rick? Is there something that's got to be hard to choose? But yeah, it's hard to choose. But I'd say Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. is uh, some of his an opportunity because he could always have done it, and it's just the role to require it mm-hmm. to show that pathos and nuance and subtlety in a role, and uh, it was you know the culmination of waiting past. He would say, lots of the scripts they're giving me is to be a silly guy that goes zany in every scene, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd sure like a part where I can show this other stuff, and then, you know, the guys gave him that part. And so that really helped the reperception of him, that then Bobcat could also take another extraordinary with Father of the Year, where Bobcat's oh. movie about his son, you know, having a tragedy like that, it was uh, extraordinarily nuanced and heartbreaking, yeah. brilliant, I thought award-winning Anyway. Oh, yeah. So uh, those two really stand out to me. Because yeah. I think I'm jaded in that I'm so familiar with his humorous side that I really look for the other part more than others mm-hmm. do. Right. Because I was up close to so much of the other. I was in Doubtfire. Oh, yeah, right, of course. Yeah. We should, we, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and, I, I, and it is one of my favorites, but he's playing a different beat than he plays in Goodwill. Yeah. Right. Was there anything, in seeing him develop, was there any point where you're like, Robin, what, what were you thinking there? Because I feel like there might have been a couple that I, I wonder if he, like, did he ever beat himself up about those movies that people were, like, maybe less enthusiastic about? Because I No, it's I've pretty realistic about it that you yeah. don't, you know, you're making an art form that has this roll of the dice to every toss, mm-hmm. you know. And he, uh, he, he knew, you know, you, you compile work. Sometimes the work you, you make, it doesn't hit the moment you play it. Mm-hmm. And people look back at it and they flip out over it or sure. things like that. And there's so many ways to play it now. Mm-hmm. Make a brand new movie. Oh yeah, man. Where is it? Oh, it's on Netflix. It's already out. You know, and so that's just get used to the 21st century. It looks like this. They pay you. You get your dental. That's it. It's what size screen? Or big, small. Right. Did you? As far as can you nail down like one lesson that you learned from working with him, or did you? I one would guess you learned more from just knowing the man, but I'm just curious as far as acting lessons that. I mean, you work together, but I mean, I feel like, did he teach you anything that you might not have ever? Sure. All <laughs> sorts of things that you study as an actor. Sometimes it's what you don't do and how still you can be in a scene. Doesn't mean you're not thinking anything, but in real life, I'm thinking something and I'm very still while I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. You get that I have intention with what I'm saying. Oh, I do, and you're freaking me the fuck out. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's what I'm trying to say. It's lighthouse in the storm. Mm-mm. And he yeah. learned how to be lighthouse in the storm. And he has been the storm. So he became both. That's a well-rounded performer. A lot of the lighthouses, they don't know how to go wild and be the storm. Mm-hmm. Like he could. 
I know as a kid wanting to be a performer, I remember watching him and just feeling like immediately, like, there's no way I'll ever be that. Is that what you have to be to be funny? Because there's no way that'll ever happen. I think it is a childhood skill, don't you? Don't you think comedy is a childhood skill? The funniest people figured this shit out in childhood. Yeah. That something's wrong with my life and I'm not getting love for plan A. So I'm going to make this entire room love me for plan B. Mm -hmm. And once you cinch it as a kid, you go, I got the girl like this looking at me and the teacher's laughing. I'm set. (laughs) This just set my life path. It's something involving this now for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like him. Absolutely. And he invented his own friends because he spent a lot of time alone. Right. So he made his own friends and brought them on stage, you know, and all the different characters. And the other friend inventing guy was another guy with a very similar childhood, Jonathan Winters, alone. Yeah. Sort of a form of abandonment by all structure makes you invent a dome and fill it with your own characters. Yeah. It's the same reason you see people talking to themselves on the street. No one will talk to them, I'll make a guy. Because mm-hmm. I gotta talk. Absolutely. It, it, it's, it helps with sanity. How about, how about the two of you? I'm not gonna ask if you had any imaginary friends, although feel free to, uh, feel free to bring those up. But as far as that, that kind of childhood energy, uh, do you still bring that to your own acting? I sure like to think I do. Yeah. Um, I think I have to also dig back for that sometimes, you know. Uh, it's all about, you know, resurrecting that, that perspective. Because when you're coming home and some, someone talked to me recently about, you know, getting into routine. And when you break that, it helps, you know, kind of like, I don't know, find new ways of looking at things, yeah. obviously. Like when you're driving back home, try driving a different route back home. Yeah. And it just sets your mind thinking on different things. and. And I think that's what I do sometimes. I go back to my childhood years when I was so easily inspired and where a lot of my impressions come from um, was from movies that I loved, characters I loved, and I just, I want to make you feel what I felt when I saw it, you know. Um, so much like Robin, it's freaking yeah. me out. <laughs> it gets me every time That's why talks. I do Robin Williams, because uh, when I do him, I feel like I am him, you it's know? It's like he's here. It's like he's here. Yeah, it's unreal. <laughs> but yeah, he brought me a lot of joy. So that, you know, I feel like I can do both, even like, you know, when I'm imitating him, and which is only what I can do is imitate what he's already done. He's the... Like, people are like, oh, you're such a genius. I'm like, yeah, right. (laughs) I'm like, not even close. Like, you know, it's literally just imitation, but expression of how much I love what I've seen. Yeah. And it's just weird. It just goes in and kind of comes out. Yeah. (laughs) Is there anything that you, any performance of his that you've watched that you feel like you absorbed and you might, if somebody gave you a a bit tomorrow, like, let's say somebody gives you some sides tomorrow and you're like, this description is very similar to a Robin character that I know of. Is there something that's like in you you think might come out like, or is it just going to come out unconsciously? Uh, Of him? Yeah. Like, is there some, like, is there a part of his that maybe resonated so much with you more than another Robin? Ah. It's hard. Dead Poet Society was, I, I, meant, I should have mentioned this one. Oh, yeah. Dead Poet Society is the one that oh, actually yeah. fi- let me find my strength to encourage to, to go into acting. Mm-hmm. So, um, through that movie that he was in. Uh, but yeah, um, I don't know. <laughs> what about that part stuck with you, though? I, I don't know. I loved, what I loved about his role in that one is that he actually wasn't so much. In charge the whole time, mm-hmm. you know he didn't overpower, which he, I loved when he overpowered. I said, "Please do," you know, when I watched those movies and or the comedy bits. But in that one, he just harmonized really well with the rest of that cast and the rest of that story, and it actually, it, I don't know, it just went further with me. Um, yeah. And so his, I think I knew professors like him, and just the wisdom and the cool like 
inspiration he gave to those kids to do what they love, you know, and, and his just, you know, pull back and look at things differently character. I loved it. Yeah. And it helped me. Mm -hmm. It really did push my courage to decide to go into acting and stuff. So. Right. Josiah, how about you as far as uh, accessing that little kid's side? Oh, he was wonderful. At, he's just an inspiration. Um, and I think in order to perform, you have to keep light in the way that he did. Uh, and he was just very brave and inspirational, I think. Yeah, our adult brain can like shut us down and be like, no, like Absolutely. you think too much and then you'll reanalyze it. And then I think, you know, you just said earlier, like then your conscious brain, it moves so slow. When you kind of tap into that stream of consciousness, what's there when you're not worried about the bills, the what's so-and-so going to think or what's, you know, all those other pressures, I think it just flows out of you. And he was able to tap into it like no one mm -hmm. could. Yeah, it's, it, the rule is this. <clears throat> your adult doesn't know how to make anything new or funny or good. Yeah. It knows how to manage bills and keep the place tidy. And that's it. <laughs> and barely. <laughs> and that's because, well, the reason you're here is you pass the test. You don't let that thing crush your kid. This is the place where there's no child labor laws because the kid loves doing it. The kid loves the gig. The kid wants the opportunity. Don't crush or bury or ignore your kid. Your kid is the creative part. It's the only part of you that will fix anything. The rest of you is just a servant to it, like a dutiful parent. Keep that kid alive. Protect it with a barrier and a force. And by the way, my adult will protect my fucking kid. Come and get my kid. Come and try it. No, the kid, my kid, I'm like an animal, a wild animal to protect it, like you should be, because it's the one that'll make everything new. The adult has been punished out of knowing that. Did you, huh. I'm trying to think how I ask this question like in, in, a, in an intelligent way, that's not gonna happen. Uh, <laughs> actually, I'm curious what the first thing you two said to each other was, Rick and Jamie, when you guys just met upstairs. I'm just curious what you guys were just talking about. Do you guys have anything to say specifically about uh, about Rob? I'm just curious what you guys can share. In the, it's it's this is a this is an odd situation, <laughs> probably to put you in. And I'm sorry <laughs> to meet a friend of the man who you're so well known for doing impressions of. But like, and I can tell that you're obviously a little shocked uh, as to his uh, resemblance. But I'm just no, I was shocked <laughs> earlier. Yeah. I saw it on video, but now I'm just anxious to shake the hand and you know, talk with the guy and see the guy who did it. It's not, I'm not offended by. Don't don't ever take that an impression as an insult to someone. There's no higher compliment than someone's reshaping themselves like a shapeshifter to look and act like you. To, to perceive it as anything else than an honor, you're nuts and you're petty. Because right. this is this is a true, genuine tribute, a living tribute. And genetically, your eyes, your cheekbones, the way they curve and smile uh, like little half moons, like that. Your teeth, your jawline. The biopic has, you know, if you're a good actor, the biopic should be you. You know, but it won't be. Rick, It'll be I, some star instead. Can, I, can yeah. I play you in the movie? Is that possible? What's I'm that? just hoping. Can I play you? Just because I'm just saying. Yeah, you're gonna. Have to, is that fine? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I was hoping uh, you could uh, just sort of take it back a little more. Even more. A little okay, further back. Okay. A little further sounds, back. That sounds good to me. Um, <laughs> and by the way, when I met him, I had hair. Yeah, that's a good back. That was way back then. They they make wigs, Rick. I'm just saying. <laughs> Ziggy. <laughs> yeah, um, no, Jamie's a remarkable performer, and I, you know, I recommend you look at him 
for this stuff. He's the go-to guy. There's other, there's other wonderful actors and performers who I, I won't name by comparison, but have excellent impressions of Robin. Sure. But you genetically look like him on top of it, and you're roughly his size. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's startlingly close. You look like the guy I met back at Catch. Wow. <laughs> it's weird. You want to talk a little bit about Robin Williams? Or Rob yeah, let's talk about Robin Williams. Jonathan Winters. I'm so sorry. Let's talk about Jonathan Winters. Um, just a little bit. So you grew up as a fan of uh, Jonathan Winters. You totally. My dad was. Before. Yeah, right. My and dad hit me to him. We'd sit up and watch him do, like I said, the stick. The stuff stick. like that, you know, in the Jonathan Winters show on mm -hmm. TV. Do you, when did, do you know when Robin first got the opportunity to actually meet him? Because he became, I mean, you guys both became friends with Jonathan eventually, which is so weird. But... What would you, when do you know? Were you there when he met him, or no? No, okay. I met him separately. I did okay. a, I did a, a, a Showtime special where they brought me in to do an improv with him years cool. and years ago, mm -hmm. called uh, Jonathan on the Ledge. And I, I, at the very end of the credits, I'm in an improv scene with him, and then some time went in between. Then Danny Pasternak, you know, mm -hmm. uh, who worked with Provenza on the Aristocrats and all that, he hooked it, hooked me back up with Jonathan because they were going to do the green room together. And the green, Paul Provenza's green room, and it was me, Robert Klein, and Jonathan Winters, because Provenza and Danny love me, and uh, I'm very grateful. And so I got to hang out with him again, and then got to do an uh, interview with him. I got Jonathan's last interview on really? my podcast called Overview, if you want to hear it. And you'll hear the voice of a very clear-headed man who's wrestling with a body that's shutting down. And there's a big difference, you know. Doesn't mean senility. And all these stories of madness and all that stuff. This, you listen to a clear mind that lays it out. He knows exactly what he's saying. Yeah. And he was an amazing performer. He would take the freedom to do little impressions. He was an impressionist too, by the way. He yeah. did Boris Karloff and things like that. Yes. And so everything he did was a rough impression of people. Hell yeah, would be shoulders, just like people he worked with in the Navy when he was in World War II. And, uh, Marty Fricker. Everyone's got, you know, like Marty Fricker. Look how influential that was. Johnny Carson didn't even bother to say it was something else. He just came out dressed as Maud Fricker, you know. <laughs> just did everything except call it Marty Fricker with the same voice and everything. Didn't even try. I love that. Yeah. And, uh, and that stuck in Robin's head like it stuck in mine. Yeah. And all he, he saw, what I saw absolute freedom to do what you want whereas everyone else has got to check with the card did this joke work did that joke work will it please approve of every word out of my mouth none of that shit for him you let me sit down and go and that's it and as terrifying as that could seem to an executive once it wins three times the executive's the hero all of a sudden it's good for you to put him in there yes it was my idea the whole time you know and so improv when done correctly makes everyone who thought of putting it there the hero and he, he then made a lot of that heroism push him to where we know him from everything else, you know? Yeah. Uh, so Robin, Robin basically had all the same sets of notions I did from it. Mm -hmm. I get to play. I have an inner kid, he has, had an inner kid, like Jonathan had an inner kid, and learned to protect it. And oh, you know what? I never thought of this, but it's always the correlation of some form of abandonment mm -hmm. in that there's another structure that should have busied me to not notice this. But it wasn't there, so I did instead. And uh, it's all your inner voices and characters. It's the same thing tribal people do when they wear the mask of the scary thing. Mm -hmm. And then they wear the mask of the hunter, and they, and they switch masks. So you get to play everybody inside yourself because you're more than one guy. Character actors know this. Yeah. And it's not crazy. 
It's crazy if you think it doesn't exist and it just starts showing up in your life because you gave it no other way out. Yeah. Is it, I think the, there's a common perception, and I, maybe you can help me with this, there's a common perception that Robin, you know, obviously had plenty of emotional problem, problems as we all do, but that he coaches. I don't know if they're emotional problems like, oh, he's got, he's mentally, emotionally. No, nothing. Like, sure. You have emotions about things that are a problem. Of course, yeah. And let's make that distinction. There's a big difference between the two. Yeah. To have an emotion about something can be very authentic. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you have an emotion about a thing that isn't there and no one else perceives it, that's different. For sure. He had emotions about things that were there. His parents were not. Right. He saw the empty space. Yeah. Yeah. That's a real, that's a recognition of an actual thing. And then your imagination will then in that void fill out in lieu of it. Sure. The, the perception is that the performance is a coping mechanism, but that's yeah. simple. Yeah. That seems like a simple explanation. Yeah. Can you give me a clearer idea of what you think performance was for him? Other than just because it's more than a paycheck, there's no no way that a guy's got that kind of heart. No, it's uh, friendship. You know what, yeah, it's inner friendship. And to you know, the, you see all these bumper stickers and, and slogans and new age mottos about be your own best friend. That can take a thousand forms. And if you're a creative sort, a creative genius, and a multi-talented creative genius, it could take the form of creating other characters. Mm -hmm and talking with them and honoring them and loving them because they're all elements of your own psyche. You just gave a different name and voice to. Yeah. Did you, can you think of the loudest time you ever laughed at something he said to All you the time, there's no separate time. No? It's constantly, you know, I break all the rules of laughing mid-improv <laughs> because we do a kind of improv where that's, we don't stay in character very long. I mean, you guys are familiar with the Transformers, right? You know the Transformers, the way they blend scenes? We just, we sort of did a two-man, very high-speed version of that. Uh, listening to Spinal Tap 11. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, hyper-listening. And that's, hyper-listening is one way to get into that turning bird flock of things all knowing to link and turn at once. Hyper-listening will do that for you. It'll make you psychic. A psychic is a science in real life. It's just really noticing. Um, so, when did you first realize you could, Jamie, sorry for those who are listening, Jamie, when did you first realize you had this thing, that you could do this in prep? Did you, how young were you? Uh, I was young, but I really didn't know I could do it as well as it's recognized mm -hmm. until later. Yeah. Um, until recently, to be honest. Um, I always would quote him and other characters I love, um, and, you know, friends or family would be like, yeah, that's pretty good, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, not until recently, till I kind of had a platform to put it out there to more people, mm -hmm. uh, did, did it, you know, occur to me, I was like, oh, it is, it is that good, okay, cool. Right. You know, I, now, personally, I, I do feel like I can, you know, slip in there, you know, and, and just kind of go into it. But, right. I don't know about the whole, you know, recognizing it as a talent or because so, it was so easy to me that, oh yeah, y'all probably want to hear yes, me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> There's more than just us. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, took, it took a little bit and still does uh, for me to believe that, you know, it's, it's that big of a deal or whatever. Sure, so, sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just kind of did it and then people said it was good so yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I could imagine half the freak out is you're coming some of the heat you're rolling in on is yeah. on the recognition of someone else 
right? <laughs> and so I would say to you as an actor, have in your bag a project that's a pet project for you that isn't that. Oh yeah, no, so you I cover yeah. and bounce out of that, and we go. Okay, we got that one out of the way. Now right. we don't want to be stuck doing this. So what right. do we got that's next? And you have a knockout other thing. So we immediately go. We love that, but now we love this. Right. Have the dual core system running right away. Yeah, yeah. that's definitely what I hope I'm doing with oh, good, um, other acting. And, mm -hmm. um, Smart. I'm in YouTube viral vids. I'm I'm big on YouTube. Like I love hopping in all, all the other big YouTubers. Uh, yeah. videos sure you know start really making something though that has you Jamie you yeah just Jamie doing a thing yeah with nothing else so we got both pictures in our head at once right and and, I, and I, when I hopefully when I say that I, it's understood it's not just Robin you know and all these videos or something you know uh, other projects that I just love acting and be honest it's a passion of mine too no of course Good. of course I mean you you clearly learned that you didn't just you lucked into the impression <clears throat> I feel like but learned the acting you can't pull here's the thing as a semi-impressionist myself and Rick doesn't better than I do right Rick you're pretty good let's do your Paul Giamatti want to pull, give I'm sorry I wasn't listening <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I did my Paul Giamatti and then you're like no no that's not how you do a Paul Giamatti you're killed close mine. though because you, you have so mine. much of it no it's but there's so much acting. You straighten your eyebrows, yep, right. hike the lip on the teeth, yep. and turn your head sideways. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely perfect. Just it. turn it sideways and whistle through your teeth <laughs> when you speak. <laughs> hike the lip. Just, we're doing it with me right now. I'm Just not doing it with you right now. Turn it, straighten it out, that. and hike it. Yeah, yeah, you know, and next he's going to ask me it's to compete all with his Robin impression, and then I'm just going to have to walk off the damn stage. You've got uh, so much of the genetics for it already. Stop fighting me on this. <laughs> Jesus Christ, am I wrong? Was one of my notes incorrect? No, we ascension. I'm like, this. I don't have any kids. All my parental shit comes out like this. Of course, of course. I'll take it. I'll take it. That impression is so close to Fire Marshal Bill on... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, that... Yeah, <laughs> no, watch the difference. I rouse up. Eyebrows down. <laughs> there's a huge difference. All right, I'm so fucking OCD there's, about this stuff. But there's, that's just it, though. Like, there's so much acting to a good impression that people, I think, kind of don't get it. So, at the very least, uh, you know, I think I hope people at the very least appreciate. There's a lot of acting going into your Robin because you have to work past just looking like him, and you have to pull in. Oh, no. oh, oh, the emotion of it it has to be there too. And I do not look like. Paul Giamatti. I hope that was not your implication. No. I when you do, I'm messing with are you kidding me? You, you have a larger cheek area okay. like he All right. has. Oh, we're really you getting into it. Large eyes. I don't have the eyes. You have okay. better eyes for him than I do. I yeah. have to fake what you can do. Yeah. Well. Uh huh. Keep that going. was good. Yeah, it was All okay. Right. It was subtle. It yeah, was real yeah, subtle. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You're not sneaking in fast pops here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. As long as nobody says that I look like Paul Giamatti. Let's just move past that. All right. Um, I look like him when I do it. When you do it. I get yeah, it when you, I'm not doing it. No, you don't. <laughs> I'm showing you how to look like him. And you won't take the note. It's driving me I crazy. It's like I I'm trying to note. give my son advice about which car to buy on the lot, and he wants the hot rod, and it's, it's like, well, you get the sensible one. <laughs> Shut up and take my money. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, oh, boy. Well, that was a thing. Um, so, uh, Josia, I was going to ask you, first of all, do you do an imp any impressions? You might as well bust them out now if you do. I've, I really liked watching... Uh, the SNL characters do Sarah Palin. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, here we Tina, go. Like, I guess it, it's not even fair to say it's an impression because it's Tina Fey doing 
Sarah Palin, but it's okay. Like, oh, I can see Russia from my porch. More nasal. I've learned that word from watching other Russians. Do it as wait, hang on, alley cat. Do it as an alley cat. Yeah, there's a lot of material going on, and nobody at home has any idea what the fuck is just happening on stage. Her voice comes out of here. It's very nasally. See? See? That was fantastic. I'll shut up. All right. It's just, <laughs> well, it's trying just to help like old man. Wilson. Wow. Oh, yeah. Right. Remember that? Butter knife. Smear it. Smear it out. Butter knife it. <laughs> Unlike a deep resonated uh, Matt McConaughey, you know what I'm saying? Nothing to say. Not a word. All right, all right, all right. That's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) You know, impressionists, they code break. Mm -hmm. And once you code break, all the other comics go click, click, ah. Yeah, I always look at it as. Walking breaks it up like, okay, all right, all right. It's a breakup. I just thought it was. It's an algorithm, and that's exactly, you know, like It's an algorithm, and one guy busts it, and everyone goes, you found the exaggerated part, we're all taking it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how I've learned, is watching other impressionists, too. Kevin Pollack, Jim Meskimen, all of them have absolutely stunning impressions of Robin, but they do not genetically look like him. Sure. And, yeah, and speaking of Robin's impressions, like, sure, learn some from him, you Mm -hmm. know, like, it's Jack Nicholson, whether it's an old Jack or a young Jack from The Shining, you know what I'm saying, pal? <laughs> I'm going to work with you on the young one. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's up here like this. You're right. It is when a his sinuses were still right intact here. before all the whiskey and women and pills <laughs> and pot and pubic hairs have taken it down, down, down. <laughs> You can't handle the truth. <laughs> There's a rasp now. Right. <laughs> Just like Harrison Ford. Close the trailer door, you're letting all the weed smoke out. <laughs> That's right, you gotta remember to point your finger. <laughs> <laughs> Get off my plane! I love that. And then the, cili- then the cylinder funny. blows off over the sand. One of my favorite airport. lines of all time. Right? It's so dumb. I love that movie, but it's um, talk about Harrison Ford for a bit. I'm kidding. No, um, so uh, he's good. Jeez. No, it's upsettingly good. You're pretty good at the Sarah, but I'm gonna work with you. Could have done better. <laughs> <laughs> After following these two, come on. Yeah, right. That's why I just I almost walked off. Giamatti, motherfucker. When are we gonna settle this shit? <laughs> I'm going to haunt you and hound you on this now. You're sitting on top of a gold mine of a gift, and you're deflecting it like a martial artist. That's what I do. (laughs) Um, So, um... He prides himself in it. I really do. There's a comic for you. I'm an interviewer, not an interviewee. I, so, I'm not much of an interviewer either, frankly. Uh, That's you, the spirit, Tiger. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I, I invited two impressionists up onto this. You stage sure did. How, how would I, why would I think that I needed to do any work? Um, so, hmm. When, <laughs> stop laughing. I'm, I'm asking my audience to please no. Um, We've we've gone over our favorite. Let's okay. So, were you there for any of the recordings of his albums, Rick? I was actually just I was thinking about that the other day. No, no, okay. one one I was. Yeah, one which one in the nineties? Um, it was for uh, uh, I'm blanking on the title of it right now because I'm thinking about other stuff. But it was uh, it was an eight. No, it was an HBO special. 
in the nineties. I was writing some, helping write a couple of little bits with it. So uh-huh. I was there for it. And now I, I don't know why I can't think of it. Do I you, think you got me freaked out. <laughs> You're just I'm sitting next to you. <clears throat> do you have a? Do you? Uh, you say you don't have a favorite time right. he ever made you laugh, but maybe if we go back to his albums, do you have a favorite bit off of any of his. Because the stuff about honestly, the stuff about Coke, because it was so honest, uh, especially on Live at the Met, really kind of always I loved a lot. <laughs> I really loved that stuff um, mm-hmm. because it was so honest. Is there something that like maybe a bit that stands out about any of his albums to you? They all stand out yeah, for different reasons. Hard. I don't have a separate thing because I've had. There's nights you wouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. My favorite bit is the thing he did right in front of me, you know, mm-hmm. right next to me. Sure. Uh, insights into human nature in general, for me, I think mm-hmm. were the greatest things he did for us and about how the dynamics of politics and stuff like that, in, in general. He was a great teacher that way, about finding a kinder way to do everything. Yeah. He was really very Buddhist that way. Yeah. It was interesting, too, though, to see him do stand-up, and while it might have been a very similar energy to what he did as an actor, the fact that he, whenever he got political, it always kind of shocked me, because you kind of forget that this guy's actually got, he's got a platform that he's going to use, at least for this hour, and he, he had plenty of very <laughs> yeah. strong political opinions, and I, you don't think of it. You don't think of him that way. You think of him as this beloved actor, maybe not necessarily an activist. You know? Right, right. Uh, uh, but... You know, people say, well, why do entertainers have any right to say anything about politics? Mm -hmm. And I think there's a scientific reason for some of that. And that is that you have a life that isn't on a hamster wheel running so hard you have no time to look at anything. You can be very busy and still look at other stuff. And it's the ability to look and see and have a moment to think about it and not be so scared that I don't want to rock anything because my job, they will just discard me and put a new module in on the line if any of us complain. To have the freedom to go, you can't really replace me so I can say these things, gives you the permission to say it. And in acting, you can certainly be replaced, but not at the same speed as on a line somewhere. So you can say more. And so I think they take the advantage of that to do it. And I'm glad, because it's mostly how we find shit out. You can't go to the news and get it anymore. Mm -hmm. They're fucking lying to us and scaring us so that we'll buy all the medicine and the commercials in between. Um, Josiah, do you have a favorite bit or line, like a bit from an album or maybe even a line from a movie that struck you the most that he performed? Oh, I mean, that's tough. I'm just thinking back to what you guys were just saying about the political um, stuff. He, all of his titles on his albums were like, you know, childbirth, <laughs> pregnancy. Mm-hmm. They're like, thing, like he hit every subject that you're really not supposed to talk about. Mm-hmm. And he extrapolated on it and it was just Dr. Roof (laughs) yeah Dr. Roof uh, he created you guys are I hope everybody's familiar with that he said you don't want a Jewish lady who's never had sex talking to uh, to you about sex you want to create then he created this big sassy black lady to talk about sex (laughs) and he she felt like she was right there with you like just the way that she was can't make butter with toothpicks (laughs) that was the line (laughs) that's my favorite one of of that (laughs) yeah Yeah, what what, what was the prelude to that I think it was Dr. Roof, does it matter if I have a small penis? Damn straight, baby. Can't make butter with a toothpick. That was it. And that's, and that's my favorite line. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you have something, maybe a bit that stands out? It doesn't have to be funny, but... Ah, uh, yeah. Um, there's obviously all his nuggets within his films, and uh, probably, uh, gosh, Goodwill Hunting, when he's talking about loss, mm-hmm. that whole monologue. I don't even want to try to quote it and get it wrong um, but yeah he's talking about loss with Will 
and you, you know you don't know true loss um, until you've loved something more than yourself. You mm-hmm. know? And that I don't know that just really just got me. And of course I'm pretty sure that's where that Oscar came. You know, it was, right? It was that moment, in that moment yeah. those moments. Yeah, I'd say on that park bench. So yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, and just for me, I think it's um, I don't have a favorite line, but if you're gonna go as far as riffs, uh, just everything he did in Good Morning Vietnam, which feels like he was given free reign. I don't know the whole story, but like <laughs> up to a certain was, point, he was. Yeah, there was you give me one for me, and then we do one for you, mm-hmm. and let's do one where we put the two together. Right, right. And at that point, he was starting because in Garp, he didn't do much of it. Mm-hmm. He was on book for Garp, and for Moscow on the Hudson, there was a huge blow-up when he started to do off-book stuff, oh, and no. they almost fired him <laughs> for doing that. And Moscow's his first one, and no one knew yet, so they're about to dump him for it. Oh. And he came back the next day and says, you can do it right on the book? Yeah, because they did a completely improvised different scene, and mm-hmm. they went, okay, we're down for the day. Do that again, you're fired. Oof. Aside, he won't say, you don't ever do that to me in front of everybody like that ever again. I won't do this to you. This is a private talk, but remember that we had this talk. And don't ever do that again. And so he went on to do it again a lot. But after having a <laughs> reputation that he could do it after that situation, sure. you know. Uh, so if you could, if you're so good, you can transcend a talking to like that and do it. You got to be really good at it. And act and improvising on camera is its own separate art. Yeah, it's not like how you can be clever and do an improv in a scene and reach the back of the room and you know you're the alpha player in the group and all that stuff none of that applies on camera yeah you have to improvise within the structure of the scene that doesn't hurt the other actors it mm-hmm. has to be within the confines mm-hmm. of the dialogue but an interesting added moment that the writer individually did not put in that scene that still sort of ends you where you need to end yeah. or you're not going to make the edit for sure and it he is one of the guys that gave me permission to think in terms of I could play on camera that way because I, I saw him doing it and he explained how he got around doing that. Yeah. And there's a science to it. Without seeming like you're disrupting the whole thing. You're getting hey, out of the way everyone. Watch me just steal all this shit and do it for no reason just because right. I want to be alpha and everything. You can't do any of that. They'll clip you. You're gone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you got to be in the scene while doing it. You got to be that person while you're doing it. Uh, he, he's one of the first few that really found the boundaries of that. He yeah. and Taylor Negron were very influential to me to watch how you could loosen up and play in a movie mm-hmm. scene and still make that scene where he didn't destroy the scene to do it. Sure. Uh, normally, towards the end of a, an episode, we always we, we talk about, we're talking about an album, we'll say, eh, here's why you should listen to it. There's no, obviously, go watch some Robin stuff, but I would say, uh, Maybe if we pick one thing to tell people to go watch, it might be a good thing to just sit and remember why he was so impactful on us. And I'm going to just say Good Morning Vietnam again, only because it means so much to me. And it's something I grew up with with parents in the military. And once I actually ran into Adrian Cronauer, the, the, the real guy in Washington, D.C., that did. blew my freaking mind. Yeah, he what? was just giving a speech on the Capitol steps. He's talking to some people very casually. And I'm like, you're no Robin Williams. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but that's something like that's if, if I'm going to go home tonight and I'm going to remember Robin, I think that's the thing that I would go home and watch. Uh, what's something, Jamie, that you would say, go home and watch this. This is a good thing to remember or listen to. Any, any of those movies that we've listed, uh, Mrs. Dalfire. Dead Poets Society, uh, Goodwill Hunting, Genie from Aladdin. Of course, I, mean, I think just, maybe I'll change my answer to Aladdin. I mean that one. That <laughs> one's huge. That yeah. one's actually I feel almost underrated because a lot of the kids, you know, resonated with it. But 
what a joy for the adults to go to that movie too when they took their kids, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, to be able to go, wow. I mean, I, I don't know because I was too young to even go with, to the theaters to that movie, but I mean, I can't imagine the joy that parents got from watching right. this cartoon character uh-huh. just go nuts. So, I mean, I, I think that would be fun. Yeah, all right, that's good. How about you, Josiah? Um, the Fisherman's Tale? The Fisher King. Yeah, The Fisher King, that's right. Uh, Brilliant. With uh, Jeff Bridges. That's right. Uh, that it was Terry Gilliam. Yeah, and it was just so sad, but he right. he brought such light to it, and just like his stand up, like it just it lifts you way up and then it drops you, but then brings you back up. And that movie, I was just emotionally all over the place. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, he was phenomenal. Um, how about you, Rick? What's something? I, I've been giving you all these really shitty choices. I'm so sorry. Like, pick one thing. But, you know, if there's something to go well, Those are remember. two great ones in Father of the Year. Bobcat. Anything Bobcat's oh, directing, just go look at this inspired, brilliant directing, too. They're best of friends. I'd say few people are closer friends with them, you know. Yeah. And Bob was one of them. Father of the Year is Got him. And Bob so gets heartbreaking. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go see I will that. never watch it again. I will say I watched it once, and it was too much. It was so upsetting. He was so good in it. And you just so have to see good it. in it. It's part of your homework. You just have really to, either way, you just have to do it. I'm sorry. If you're in this, you do And Jacob the Liar. And Jacob the Liar. Not, and enough, not enough people have seen it. I think he produced that one, too. So. Mm-hmm. I remember that one. Well, thank you guys for coming to the show. Um, give, give our wonderful guests a round of applause. Rick Overton. Jamie Costa. Um, so, um, do you guys have anything very quickly where people should find you online so that people know where these these wonderful minds are online, on Twitter, etc. I'm on all the platforms. I'm a social media guru. Um, I do stuff. I do impressions daily on Vine, all, all different kinds. Uh, YouTube, if you type Jamie Costa or uh, Facebook, my it's, as weird enough as this is, my Facebook uh, page is is something I get a lot out on now too. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, and yeah, YouTube. Mainly, I guess. Yeah. At Jamie uh, slash Jamie Costa. Is yeah, just it? Jamie Costa. Easy enough. Yep. Yeah. Josia. Same thing. Josia Elliott. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All right. And Rick. Uh, at Rick Overton on Twitter. Uh, overview on iTunes Sideshow Network. And I'm going to start it up again. I, I, I let it go for a little bit. Uh, and uh, I'm coming up on a new episode of Blunt Talk with Patrick Stewart. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. He's hilarious. Well, thank you guys for coming. And as always, have a good thing. And uh, have a great friggin' afternoon. Thank you guys for coming out here to celebrate Robin Williams. And actually, you know, real quick, do you have a quote you want to leave him with, Jamie? Seize the day, boys. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. Please visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, and if you like us, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl, and find everything else at ComedyOnVinyl.com.